Welcome to Knowledgeshare with Dr. Dave, streamed on grokshare.com and broadcasted on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. Welcome to the Agile Speak uh, for Humanity Tucson Meetup. Um, I'm Dr. Dave. I'm glad that you're here. So what I'll do is go forward and do the presentation. This is a short presentation, and then we'll do some introductions, and then we'll start the conversation. Um, so. Um, the first thing we always start off with is that we have upcoming events. So next month, February 16th, um, we're doing a conversation about agile practices in schools and how we can improve, you know, the learning for students in school. So we'll have like, um, we run this thing called Five Saturdays, the program. So we'll have people who will join us, um, like uh, principals, other people who are involved with schools and use agile practices. Um, big thing that I want to point out is that uh, we got the great nod from the mayor of, of Tucson that so March 11 through March 16 is Be Agile Week. And so you can go and register for this conference right now. If you go to agileopenarizona.com, you can go out there and register. And, and you know, it's a whole week. So we have training. Um, if you want to get become certified as a scrum master, as a product owner, we have workshops. And then Friday, Saturdays are the two key days of what we call them on conference, which means the participants are the one who bring a topic for conversation and they, they're conveners and then everyone else could join in that, those sessions if they need to. Uh, so April, we have, you know, Agile Alliance is one of our sponsors. So they have this big event out in Nashville. It's really a technical focused conference about software development. Then Scrum Alliance, this is also one of our partners. They have a, the global gathering coming in Austin, Texas. And then August 5th <laughs> through the 9th, um, they're in Washington, D.C. You know, this conference, Agile 2019, you would have like anywhere between 2,500 people to 3,500 people a swing, depending on, on where it is. So this is a ginormous conference that they try to get to once a year. They meet people globally in this practice. Um, our sponsors is Agile Alliance. I mean, they're... Um, a global organization that have you know almost a million members. Um, Knowledgeshare is, is my company. Um, we also sponsored this event in terms of space and snacks and things like that, and putting the meetup together. Um, about Knowledgeshare.org, I mean, key things that we provide is agile coaching and training. Uh, we help people with Liz, um, lean biz startup as an accelerator. Um, we help, we do some online courses as well that, that's available. We develop, organize, we do organizational design. So if you have a company and you want to design to use a lot of the agile practices so you could be as effective. Uh, we do digital transformation strategies. So that's more of looking at how technology would transform your organization. And we do diversity, um, equity, and in inclusion coaching. Right? I mean, I think that's a very important thing to have in most organizations. So as a consultancy, that, that's what I, we bring to the table. The, the conversation today is um, what's that startup smell? And so, you know, we're supposed to have a few different panelists, but I'm glad Ed is here and I'm here. So, and basically anyone in this room, feel free to join in, right? Because this, we want this to be very conversational. And, you know, when we talk about, you know, startups, we're talking about various stages, right? So a startup could be very green or on a, a brand new. We could have them be a bit more mature. Right, and you can see that over here they're a bit more red and, and they're ripe. 
And, you know, they could add great value in terms of being some great type of stew, or they could just be rotten. Right? And so we have stages of, of startup. So I'm going to stop there. And so let's just start with some introductions. Hey, Ed, do you want to go first since you're um, on the line? Sure. Uh, so my name is Edward Cruz, and my company is Go for Vertical. We're a new tech incubator here in Tucson, and uh, we're also a, a different kind of incubator. Uh, we don't do traditional incubation like, you know, office space or uh, mentors and advisors. Um, and um, instead, we have a very specific focus on technology and on product development or platform development. Um, this is something that's really important in Tucson because uh, unlike in some other cities, we don't have a lot of technical depth here. Uh, unfortunately, we haven't had as much uh, industry uh, or a large business as other cities. Um, and so that means it's a little bit of a, a talent gap. Um, and that applies to tech and also to business to a certain extent. And that is a challenge uh, for uh, trying to create complex software solutions, which is basically what you need to do for my line of work, which is around tech startups. Um, the other thing is that uh, technology is one of the key ways that um, any business can scale really uh, efficiently. And so although I, I primarily focus on tech startups, what I do also applies really to any sort of business because uh, as I'm sure you've seen, you know, large business is very willing to invest a lot of money in technology for that reason. So part of my mission here in Tucson is to deliver that same kind of benefit to businesses and institutions of all sorts. I want to make sure that technology uh, lifts everyone's boats here, not just the people that have money and access to it. So that's what I do. Thanks, Ed. Who wants to go first in the room? I'll go first. Okay. My name is Adriana Mujol. I work for a software company and I'm interested in learning more about Agile. What's the name of your company? Uh, CDK Global. We provide software to the automotive industry. Nice. Awesome. Hi, I'm Bernadine Cannon. I am uh, recently started my own consulting. My background is in uh, large-scale IT software implementation. So I'm a sorry, no, you. PMP, so project management, and a, a big advocate for Agile. So I've recently met Dr. Dave, and I'm very excited to be here. I'm Sophia. I'm just starting a small business doing real estate investing and also small scale gardening. There you go. Cool. Uh, I'm Richard. Uh, I'm in the precision medicine genomics field and I'm doing genomics and information design consulting right now. Excellent. Good. So let's begin. And so the first thing is like the conversation that we really wanted to have today is how do we enable startups, right? And so there's many different ways to do that. And one of the conversation, I think we just lost Ed, um, you know, if we have a brand new startup and we think of, you know, you know what practices should we use um, at the start when a company starts? Um, and basically, my, you know, there's, there's two, there's the principles that we use is called lean business startup. And so we use a canvas in, in that context to 
get the ideation out. But then the other part of that that I think about is using agile practices, right? Of really figuring out how can we allow teams to work better together, right? Because basically, you know, when you start a startup, oftentimes sometimes it's by yourself, but in order for it to grow, you need people, right? I mean, so, I mean, what are your thoughts in, in terms of, you know, bringing in, um, you know, what, what kind of other practices do you think that startups would, would need to, to move forward? Innovation. Well, innovation. So tell, tell us more. Um, creativity brings together I'm struggling with this feeling real. Okay. You know, when it's just you at a cafe, psychologically, you're not quite, you know. So what's what's that psychological bump in which it begins to feel right. real? Um, well, from the classes I've been first, right, what I'm doing, um, they're, they're big on teaching us to build a team. Um, so for me, I would need like my team of contractors. Mm -hmm. I need um, marketing, um, which would include some of the tech stuff. Um, I would need agent, other agents. Also need finance consulting, you know, and being able to discern who's going to be good for what I'm wanting to do and the path I want to go on. Are they reliable? Are we able to communicate with each other? And if I step away, can it, it will die, so get done. Right. So, so, I mean, so if I, to, if I have to share with you that if, if we could use something like, there's a practice, even as a small business, let's say that you are by yourself. And I, I do this a lot, sometimes when I'm by myself in a cafe. Um, I mean, I use this practice called Kanban. And then it's nothing more than a, a simple thing. It's a board. Right? And oftentimes it says to do, doing, and done. Right? And, and that is where I begin oftentimes when I'm, I'm trying to plan work. Right? And so to me, in my to do list, this needs to be prioritized. Right? It really needs to be. So a lot of times I use sticky notes to help us get there. And let's see. I'm going into my, my dandy little bag to see if I can find sticky notes. And if I can't find sticky notes, the other option that I do use is post-it cards. Hey, Ed, welcome back. I'm back. Sorry about that. We had a slight uh, canine emergency as well, so we're back. Okay. Not a problem. So, you know, Ed, I'm just started without you in terms of what practices, and then I'll let you jump in. Sure. Um, so one of the things is, is that I use sticky notes, so sometimes I always, you would always see me running around with painter's tape and an index card. And the reason is because I could start to prioritize my work. You know, what do I have to do? And essentially, I could start taking this and moving it over as that I'm doing this. And then when I'm done, I come over here, but the, the priority is to do one thing at a time until it gets the done, or no more than two things, because we like to multitask, and we're not very good at it, right? And so one of the, one of the practices that if you're a small business, and it's just you, 
or maybe you're working with contractors, mm -hmm. use Kanban. Right? This is just a Kanban board. And Kanban is, is really the word itself, it means signal card. And if you could tell, signal card, the card, this card is signaling you to prioritize, then I'm doing that work, and then it's done. And and so we use this, we even teach high school kids um, this practice as well of, of how to prioritize their work, right? And, and so this is used globally. Matter of fact, it started in Japan where the practice began. So this is one tool that you could use as a small business owner, right off the bat. It gets you to prioritize your work. It makes your work visible. Um, you can start to then dive into that to see who do I need to work with to get this done, right? And so this doesn't take much. Um, there, there are tools like Trello, Trello.com, that you could, electronically you could represent the same thing. Or you could put one of these up in your home or in your office or wherever. Right, it's a great tool for you to just plan. And so as a, a new startup, this is one tool that you can use right off the bat. Really simple, really easy, not a lot of complexity to it, right? Uh, Ed, you know, so the question is when we talk about enabling startups is, um, you know, what practice should we use at the start? What, what type of ideas do you have? Sure. So I think um, – one of the most important steps that you can always take is to do what they call in the enterprise software world, it's called discovery. And it just means figuring out what you need to deliver um, and working collaboratively with your team to really nail that. Um, one of the difficulties with uh, delivering software is that, or for any startup, I, should say, I have a very software oriented uh, business, um, is uh, realizing that uh, the value you're providing isn't just what's in your head, but it's in what you tangibly deliver to your customers or clients and what they think about it, right? So you have to kind of change the equation a little bit. You can, you know, think about it with some intention, like, hey, I'd like to do this or deliver this. But instead, what actually produces, I think, better outcomes is, is engineering uh, what that should look like, coming up with an idea of what is the product, what is the platform, what is the offering, and so going through that process of discovery and delivering that uh, is one of the ways that you can uh, get on the right path to helping your, your customers and clients and beginning a startup. So that's, that's the one thing I would say is the most important to get started. Yeah. So one thing I would like to ask um, the group here is that we have some cards. I would like you to try right now and come up with one thing that you need to do for your startup, one thing you need to do for your company, and we're just gonna put it in to do, right? And then we could just use these index cards. Um, we have some expo here, and guess what? Since I have handy dandy painter shape, so feel free to come up and just put something on the to do board here, and we'll, we'll go from there. And, and you see, can I get you to move one over so we can get you, we can see a wonderful face? And, you know, <laughs> she goes, I don't want to be seen. Aha, uh -huh. I found a few stickies if you want to use stickies, and I found some Sharpies. So feel free, let's make this as interesting as we can. There's some Sharpies, and just put one thing, and then here's the um, a tape. Let's, you know, put one thing that if you have to prioritize and put it on your Kanban board, what would that be? So what else do you got, Ed, in terms of, you know, additional practices that, you know, 
it would start. I mean, one of the things is, is, is that I comes to mind to me is is making sure that we understand what problem we're trying to solve. Because oftentimes, what happens is that we, we come up with a business idea, and we run off and we do that business idea, but we don't understand what problem we're trying to solve. Yeah, that's and, great. Yeah, that's another form of discovery, right? Just trying to yeah. really understand what it is that you're dealing with or how you have to approach it or try to fix it. Um, yeah. What I, I like to do too is I like to sort of uh, create categories of things. So yep. if I know that I'm like delivering value to somebody, like let's say, you know, a particular type of customer, right? I like to um, think about uh, categories of what I might need to deliver, not just necessarily that one thing that's kind of in my mind is the most important thing. So I always go to, like to online shopping or e-commerce as an example of this. So if you're trying to deliver like some sort of store or retail solution, you know that you have to deliver some sort of shopping, you know, uh, you know, opportunity for your customer. There's so much more you have to do, you know, to make that kind of thing work. You have to do, you know, what's the status of my order? What, how do I ship it? What's the taxation? Um, you know, can I do reviews? Uh, can I get warranties? There are all these other, you know, categories of value that you have to deliver. So that's one of the things I like to think about is uh, to, you know, try to think about that one main thing, but then I want to ask, what are the other categories of value that I need to deliver? Um, and uh, that gives you a, a bigger, broader picture, a more complete picture, and, and maybe a more accurate or, or uh, you know, uh, or um, real realistic picture of, of how you can deliver that value. That, that's, that's true. Um, so there, there's a concept um, that, that we use and that concept is um, is by a guy named uh, Clayton Christensen. He's the author of this book called um, the The Innovator's Dilemma. He has this concept that this is it's called jobs to be done. And and the interesting thing about that is that he thinks about what jobs is our custom does our customers have do our customers have that that needs that they need to be done. Like for example. Um, if you use a dry cleaner, right? I mean, so the job that needs to be done, and this is solving the problem statement, is one of the jobs is that they need to have their clothes clean because obviously maybe it's because of time, maybe they don't have um, maybe the right machining in, in their home. Um, the same thing could be about food. I mean, what job do we have that, that we need to be done when, when it comes to going to McDonald's or Burger King or to a health food store? It, you know, it starts to think about the problem in that context. The same thing with software. If you work for a software company, I mean, what's the need of your customers? If you work in healthcare as a nurse, you know, what, what jobs do they have that needs to be done in genomics, right? I mean, and so when we start to think of it in human terms of what are the needs of people, then that's another practice, right? That, that's something you go up on your Kanban board of something of, to do to solve that problem. So I wanted to also think about it um, in that context as well as another way of seeing things. Any thoughts in, in terms of just that concept? I mean, if you have to think about and just to share back, you know, the customers that you deal with, you know, what jobs do they have to do um, that, that they have? What are their needs? You know, because he was joking. He was talking about the milkshake. All rights reserved. would buy milkshakes for, for breakfast. And the reason was just because it was thick. You know, it took a long time to fill them up. Um, it has different flavors. 
Um, it was a way for people to sit down and have communication and share things. Two people with a milkshake, you know, if it's a coffee, you could sip that down really quickly. A milkshake takes a while to be the drink. So it's just thinking about all the different attributes as well. Any thoughts? Um, well, in my case, I still need to sort of contact the people that, that could be those sort of clients. Yeah. So I need to reach out, I imagine, and have us, uh, you know, talk to them and get as much information as you can. Yeah. So it's just, I think, put some goals around your discovery phase. Right? Discovery. Okay. You, yeah. You're doing the same, like as mentioning that discovery, but some intentionality of finding their that out, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not just what do you need, but tell me about, right? So that you can get to to that. Okay. So you guys want to throw your stuff up there just to see what what you have, and then we'll move on to. Maybe, the, you know, what else do we have to, when we talk about enabling startups? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's, it's, it's fun. This is just learning stuff, right? So there's some blue tape here if you want to, you know, grab it and put it up there. Yeah. You know, it's a... So one thing that I do on my Kanban board is another column for research specifically. Sure. Because of that, trying to constrain the task to two, but yeah. there's also research which can kind of be a longer term and. Yeah, you could add more columns if you know if you choose to. Mm -hmm. I mean, I went with the basic class. This is the basic simple, yeah. you know. And that is to remind myself to do the research. Yeah. Right in the startup phase, you can get busy, especially when you're lucky enough as I was to get a client. Yeah. All the client tasks, but that's not going to run my business. So I, I focus on that. I think that's an important part. That discovery doesn't stop. Oh, no. It's, it's continual, right? Mm -hmm. Something that you do frequently. So um, let me go ahead and, and move on to the next topic. Um, now, the, the second part of it, Ed, that we talk about is that as we have, we start off with, you know, startups being really green, they're on the vine, they're getting there, but then after a while, we get to a certain level of maturity, and we said, well, who would be good leaders? You know, what type of leaders do we want um, to help run these organizations, right, or run your startup? I mean, are you the right person to run your startup? Exactly. Right? <laughs> and so, you know, we could think of leadership, you know, and for most of us who run a startup, we are in the assigned leadership role, right? Because if you maybe grow your company, then you may have emergent leaders, people that may grow within that come within the organization and come into you know very specific leadership. Or we may find someone else external to our organization to help in that context. So, Ed, any thoughts about you know who would be good leaders to help you mature as a, as a startup? Yes, good question. I think that um, one of the key ways that we uh, hear about a lot is finding uh, good co-founders, right? People that have complementary skills to your own, who have domain expertise that, you know, broadens your capabilities as a startup. So I'm from a very technical background. And so um, I'm always looking to find complementary leadership uh, and capability, right, in areas other than what I already have skill in. Um, the other part is too is that uh, in a startup there's this idea that you have to uh, wear every hat and you have to do every job at first and your job is to uh, basically at some point be able to fire yourself for those jobs and be able to hire the people that 
uh, can actually do them. So um, that's one of the other kinds of things is, you know, as you're organically going through the process of executing your business, do the, do the work and then bring in the correct, you know, resources or leadership to be able to, to replace those roles that you've been taking in that early phase. Excellent. And any thoughts in the room in terms of leadership, co-founders, um, or maybe you even want to, you could even share about your leadership style if you even know what that what that is at this point in time. I think mine is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you're emerging. <laughs> How's that? That's a better way to put it. Yes, you're an emergent leader. You're you're learning, and and that's to me that's that's a good place to be. I find that um, what Ed just described, that a willingness to let go, yeah. wearing all your hats. That's an organization I'm consulting with right now. They're at that point. You can't scale, right? So yeah. where it's not an expense to hire somebody that's really going to help take on from an executive point of view, This not just the tasks. You seem to be good about getting people to do the tasks, but sometimes you grow out of that, right? Yeah. You need somebody's brain just on this area and that, when you've worn all the hats, I think it's hard to see that. Or I'm curious, what do you put down so you're expecting it? I, I like that concept of your goal is not to. Right? So I'm thinking that way. In this organization, I don't know if they thought that way. Right? They, they're achieving growth, which is excellent. Yeah. But are you ready to let go a little bit? And that's very counterintuitive. It is. So I had this chief of operations. He said that my job is to fire myself yeah. from all the jobs, right? But even he struggled because, you know, you want to provide value and naturally you want to have your own little, you know, yeah, your little section that, you know, you provide value and nobody's going to like threaten that. Mm -hmm. It is difficult to constantly be letting go. But. So what do you put down at the start that helps you be mindful or, or drive to that point? I think that comes with building that team of people that have the same outlook that you have. Mm -hmm. They have the same end goal. That way, as a as a group, you can seek out the right leaders. Because if you walk, if you have to leave, you have to go home on an emergency. You have you end up in the hospital. If the business cannot function without you, it will fail. Yeah. So you have to be able to walk away from all these hats. So you have to, yes, at the start, it's just you. It's just me. And I'm wearing all the hats. I'm the marketer. I'm the, the tele, I'm the technology person. I'm, I'm all of it. But in order for my business to truly be a business that I am managing, I have to be able to find the right person, the right team member to take the spot of the marketer, to take the spot of the technology expert, to take the spot of the um, expert grower so that if I'm not here and then there's also still going to be someone who's going to oversee if I'm not here it still runs if I walk away or if I'm not here and it falls apart I didn't do it right yeah and I think that that what he's saying you have to be able to understand that you can't continue to wear all the hats you start out wearing all the hats but at some point Someone else has to wear each of those hats, mm -hmm. and then someone has to be your second leader. So when you go on vacation or you know you're not at work for the day, the business still runs. It still must go on. 
So if in the first one, we're always still doing discovery, right? You should be looking at what drives your customer value throughout your your business, no matter what stage. This stage, we're trying to lay down a practice of I'm looking for the people that compliment me to help me grow. Yeah, but so the question is, you know, also, can we find leaders outside of our organization where they become partners? Mm-hmm. And and it's less of someone that we hire or they grow organically, but it could be a partnership. You could find a, another small organization, another startup that provides that value that you're looking for. And as a leader, maybe you identify, huh, you know, she, I like what she has going on over there. And maybe we could partner mm-hmm. together and still drive towards the goal that I'm seeking, right? I mean, so that's another way to, to look at this as well. Any other comments? Go ahead, Ed. Yeah, I, I have a thought. Some of the, one of the things I've done in Tucson because, um, you know, I was returning here part-time and uh, gradually more and more over the uh, years and um, working remotely primarily. I was still based primarily in Austin, but anyway, just uh, the, the thing that I discovered worked absolutely the best, which is a similar concept or maybe a strategy is to say yes it's the power of saying yes so if anyone asks me anything or you know if there's something i can perhaps do to you know assist since you know some project or there's just anything that comes across my plate um there's this one sort of startup approach that says you know what i can't have any distractions i can't you know i just have to keep my nose to the grindstone and be focused and that's okay right but what i've found is is that yes actually achieves a lot it gets you engaged it gets you uh you know uh networked into your community you don't have to push to get traction when people are asking you for help right it's a natural organic process of being able to to just gain that momentum and you know uh, and achieve something it it takes you to places much more effectively uh so that's uh, one thing that comes to mind i guess yeah, I feel I've used it very successfully. I've, I've gotten so many opportunities by uh, following that strategy. Well, you know, but one of the things that I think about sometimes is meetups. Right? I mean, a meetups like this context um, in, in terms of saying yes to, to opportunities to connect with other people. I mean, I attend other meetups. I mean, what do you think about that as, as, as a leader in terms of expanding your brand, expanding yeah. your ideas, learning? Right. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that uh, it uh, there there's a tremendous amount of value from that, um, and uh, you can uh, go as far as that. I mean, you can take it that far and have that be a, like a regular part of your you know process of engagement. And beyond that, you can use it as a starting point. You can you know take those relationships or engagements and just take them or follow them wherever they they might go. And so, uh, absolutely, I think you need to have that, uh, you know, kind of uh, regular opportunity to meet and engage peers, people within your community, potential uh, customers or, or business partners. So, absolutely, that's a good thing. Yeah. So, let's move on to, you know, the other stage of um, the, the startups. And, and sometimes this could happen at the very beginning, right, where it's self you know, we're talking about startup smells. You know, you think of new car, you think of these wonderful aromas that you get. But, you know, sometimes we just get to the rotten stage, right? And, and sometimes it's not, it happens, 
because we didn't plan very well and we, we didn't have good leadership, we didn't have good practices. Um, so my question is, how do we make, you know, how do you make your startup? How do I make my startup, you know, more resilient, right? So that it, it lasts beyond the, the typical, when you look at the Small Business Administration and some of the statistics they have, you know, um, you figure like almost like 50% of what most businesses who start in the first year does. You know, it's a very high failure rate. I mean, and of that, you know, when you look over a 10 year period, um, there's only like maybe three out of three out of 10 companies actually survive, right? So you could tell you it's only 30%, you know, of whatever that 50% is really makes it to the end. So how do we make it more resilient? You know, we talk about practices, we talk about leadership, partnership. What about resilience? Yeah. Um, from the beginning, like I know mine, procrastination. <laughs> um, and I know that. So I work daily and weekly on not allowing that to affect how I run and get my business started. I know I'm going to wait till the last minute to get it done, but if I take that into my business practice, it's going to fail. Yeah. Um, so recognizing your, your shortcomings and working to ensure that one you get better at resolving them for yourself and two that you do don't take those shortcomings into your business um, so for me i have goals that i have to that i said i got my business my to-do list and mm -hmm. this is what i'm doing and it we need to work on trying to ensure that it's done or work on ensuring it's done by this date and not waiting until the day before because you can't wait till the day before to get it done. This is a business. It's 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 what doesn't answer a phone the day before. Well, now you waited five extra days. It should have been done five days ago. So I am learning to make that balance and resolve my problem with procrastination, so that I don't bring it into my business and call it to fail because I didn't recognize. So if you use a practice like Kanban, mm -hmm. right, and, and one of the, the, the features of Kanban is it's called a time box, right? So if you have something in your join column and you said, everything that I do will have a time box, let's call it two days, right? That from beginning to end, once it gets into doing, there's two days of really where I want to make sure that that's finished, right? If it takes more, that means it's too big. Mm -hmm. I mean, if I didn't think about it in the right way, I may need to break it into smaller pieces, but if you fit things into a smaller time box, a smaller increment, then that helps to reduce procrastination. And it, it, it creates a constraint, right, in your thinking that, gee, I'm at 2.5 days. You know, there's something wrong here, right? It's a call to action. So, you know, in, in that thought, I mean, to keep going in terms about how do you make my startup more resilient and, you know, think of Kanban, think of time constraints, right? Of, of using a time box for doing that. Um, any other thoughts? We continue to just discussion about resilience in your organization because it's not just your startup. Because half of the time we think of startups as just being a business, a small business, but startups happen in large corporations, right? I mean, a lot of companies spin off these small little entities to go off and do very specific things that are very successful. Any thoughts? Knowing what it is you really want, what yeah. the end, what the end goal is, 
making sure that you gather the right people to make sure that happens. Yeah. I think it's kind of exactly checking in on right to stay resilient. You're not losing sight of right the vision and the partnership and the leadership and how do you. Um, I think we have this, I love Kanban, I love prioritization, because we all have that important, urgent, right, <laughs> dilemma that we'll take care of urgent, but if it's not as urgent, but it's really important to your long-term success, how you build that into the to the whole picture. And I think the so vision and then partnering, mentors, people to help hold you accountable. Right, mm -hmm. that's, that's a very good, good one. Yeah, uh, yeah, going back to this, to this. The chief, like the, the top responsibility of a CEO is to manage their own psychology. Mm -hmm. And I think that also just motivation, you know, like how how are people feeling? Like, do you have the objectives, but do you have the energy to, you know, to deliver on them, and to, to keep up the pace? Yeah. And I didn't hear from you about resilience. Yes, I am back. Um, yeah, so. Um, you know, resilience is a, it's tough. It really is because it's so, so hard. Um, and I, I like to, uh, to try to think about like, kind of like virtuous cycles or virtuous feedback. I think it's really hard whenever you're doing anything really, when you don't have a sense that whatever you're working on is producing good outcomes or you feel good about it, right? That some goodness is coming back to you because of all your uh, tremendous efforts. And so um, I think that uh, with, in the absence of some sort of good feedback, it's very hard to, to feel or to stay resilient and um, also to maintain focus. And so the, the primary one that I try to look for or that I try to achieve is resilience, uh, maybe not primarily for myself, but for my customer or client. And that is a way then I as well can have a sense of, uh, you know, positivity about uh, the outcomes that are being produced and uh, the startup, right? The startup that I'm trying to, to launch or the offering that I'm providing. Um, I hope that's helpful. I mean, I, I, I think there's definitely a psychology to this and oh, it's yeah. so difficult, right? And you're kind of, uh, you know, maybe a one man band or, you know, just trying to, to achieve something that's very, very hard. So. Having that virtuous cycle or virtuous feedback, I think, is very helpful for resilience. Any other comments on, on, on this stage of, uh, you know, where you get to the rotten stage and you're trying to, because you could always get out of the rotten stage, right? You mean you could allow it to dry up and then take the seats and start back over as being green. And there's nothing that, you know, I mean, that's another option, right? As part of, because to me, failure, to me, and that's something that most people don't talk about, about resilience, failure is a feedback. And that feedback should help you to get better at what you're doing. And it doesn't matter what it is, if it's a startup, if it's personal things in your life, you know, if you fail at something and if you really take the time to do some level of retrospection, right, into what took place, you know, why did you fail, you know, how did, can I get better and change, then the next time around, Right, you can get better at that. So it's another context for resilience as well. Continual learning, being in that mindset. Um, so the, the next one, as we think about it, um, this is a great bruschetta sauce that that has um, 
uh, garlic and basil. Uh, and, you know, this is great for, for dipping some bread with olive oil. I know I'm probably making you hungry as we get closer to lunch. <laughs> uh, and, and so, you know, as part of this, is like you need customers. In order for your business to thrive, you, you, you need to have paying customers. Um, one thing that I learned a long time ago is like fellow start, right? And, and, and Peter Drucker, you know, he says, innovate or die. Right, but it's similar mindsets and, and, and philosophy about getting paying customers and anything that you do, even internally, right? You have, if you have a, a product internally, you have a co big company and you have a product and no one in the company wants it, right? It, so it means you're not attracting customers and your department, the people that you have in your organization will go bye-bye at some point in time. And the same thing with a startup, right? How do we start attracting customers that would help us to... Uh, to thrive and, and become resilient and become sustainable. And so that's my question out to, to us as a group to, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, Dave, I, I do have some thoughts on that quickly. And Good. I'll sort of a couple of things that I mentioned earlier. One Good. of them is to have a, a deep, like, you know, like, like, I don't know, like, um, Sorry, I'm trying to think of the absolute right word here, but you have to be a domain expert in your, in those uh, those customers, right? You have to know them. You have to know their business. You have to know their their needs and interests, right? Because what you're going to deliver has to address those. It has to speak to them, right? And it also has to be so. That's the perhaps the discovery part that we talked about earlier, right? Having that deep, deep native knowledge of who it is you have to deliver value to and what it is that they need. And then, then secondly, beyond that, it's distilling it into a product. You mentioned the word product, and I'm so glad you did because you, it, it has to be something that's coherent and designed and engineered to deliver that value, right? If you look in, you know, in the world around us, um, you might look at perhaps, you know, like the car that you drove downtown in. It, that's something that you bought. It's something that you bought from a company. And it's a product. And not only is it a product that you probably think of, hey, I have a cool car, I have a nice car, I have a you know, car that meets me to my family or whatever, but it's an engineered product. It is something that has been reduced to practice. So many systems and so many you know, people bringing to bear uh, you know, their expertise to deliver exactly the type of product that someone like you needs and would buy. And so that's the, uh, I think the key thing for me is having that, uh, deep level of discovery around the stakeholders or customers that you need to deliver value to and then reducing it into practice as a product that you design or architect uh, and then can engineer and build, right? Even if it's not a, a software technology product. Um, yeah. With that product in hand, that's where you can now go and execute your business again. So so I'm, I, I like to still need the three steps, discovery, product right distilling it into the product and then execution and that's actually the business part if you don't get the first two right you're not going to get any luck with the third one i think any thoughts in the room about this this topic i mean continuous improvement yeah but, but how do you bring about continuous improvement right because you want to attract customers so yeah. As you get better at something, tell, tell us more. Tell us more well, about you that. Have, you have to, he talked about like very intimate discovery. Mm -hmm. And you have to keep listening to the customer to see what their needs are. Because needs change. Right. Their survival mm -hmm. needs change. 
Yeah, and you find some of those companies that have been around for a while and then they're no longer here, right? Because they didn't anticipate or understood the needs of their mm -hmm. customers. They're, they're not constantly in discovery mode. Um, anything else that anyone would like to just share into this conversation? I think you're implying like actively seeking out the feedback. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the intentionality around that. Yeah. This, this relates to staying at day one, right? Amazon principle of like constant discovery, always trying to. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, their their thing is that there were relentless pursuit of customers, right, and and really satisfying the customer needs. You know, and and the thing we don't we don't talk about is experimentation, right? I mean, sometimes it's okay to do limited experiments, which just says, you know what, I'm going to try it seven times, and each time I will measure exactly what's going on through the process. Oftentimes you forget to measure. And why, why did this customer like it? I don't know. Well, how many customers came in? Well, I don't know. Well, wouldn't it be awesome if the first time you tried it, it came with maybe 10 customers, and then the next time it went down to two, and then you could look at the difference between seven and two. What, what took place there? And then come the third time, it went back up to five. If you made some type of an adjustment um, to, to improve on your product, improve on the relationship with your customers. So, I mean, I, I want us to, to think about that and let's, let's have some dialogue around, you know, measuring and, and really understanding the needs of our customers. Any thoughts that we have in terms of that? Because most companies forget about the empiricism that we need. <laughs> right, we need to be empirical, get have empirical evidence that we should keep, continue to keep this business or keep this product. What's driving those metrics? Yeah, because I think it's so important to figure out what are those dials that are actually delivering value. Mm -hmm. the, the discovery, the experimentation, the literally talking to people to find out, and then testing it. Yeah. Testing it from that discovery doesn't stop. The um, there's an implied when you it's engaging our customers. Right? Yes. I just want to call out that word. I'm hearing it kind of reference, but how do we truly engage them? So right. That's what attracts, right? They feel heard and needs are met. Right. Any more thoughts around attracting customers? So, I mean, so let's just think about this um, in terms of enabling startups, right? So, we think about good practices, we talk about leadership. We talk about what makes them resilient and what attract customers. Is there anything else that, that we're missing um, in here as a startup? Right? Things that we need to, to be mindful of, whether it's a, start, a small startup business or it's a startup entity within a larger organization. Scaling. To me, to me, when I read articles of the startups that collected a few million dollars, uh, clearly, they started small with a small idea, cafe, whatever, mm -hmm. coffee shop, and then how do you scale up to attract people, like investors, to attract that human capital to sell your idea? Just because you can scale up in anybody in Hong Kong or in, I don't know, South America and the US, they mm -hmm. can use it. And, you know, I mean, how you scale up? 
anyone wants to tack, I could, I, I'll let, I could tackle him. But Ed, do you have any thoughts about, um, you know, we talk about scaling, right? Going from, from zero to 60. Like to me, it's amazing when I read that, you know, like people just, I don't know, it's just a startup got, I don't know, a few million dollar investment. Like, mm -hmm. But that doesn't happen from, from January 1st to January 13th. I mean, they were working on this. For course. years? Yes. For, for many years. Because yeah. when, so, so it's interesting. I think about the same thing that sometimes we see like a new music artist or an actor or an actress shows up and we go like, oh, well, that's new. But this person may have been working on this for like 20 years, right? Working on their craft, their skills, getting better, they're learning, right? I mean, scaling is the same thing. It's the same philosophy as Ed said earlier of how do we really solve the needs of our customers? If we really understand the jobs to be done, principle, if I really understand that the reason that I want to start selling more vegetarian meals is because the population maybe is eating healthier as an organization. That's one way to, to, to scale, right? I mean, it's, it's really looking at, can I sell more, right? That helps, that enables scaling. I mean, can I use better technology for automation, right? Especially in genomics, right? I mean, that's a space that, you know, if you really want to really run some experiments, you need lots of computing power, right? And so maybe like a cloud type, options so i mean what else what else do you guys think about scaling in nursing i, I know they have robotics now that comes around and do all sorts of things i mean those are what give us some ideas let's let's hear from that about scaling and maybe even you you got great ideas i'm sure i think upper remaining fluid oh um, yeah if you're if you're if you're completely rigid on what it is you're wanting and you're not willing to be flexible or fluid you're going to miss out on opportunities to grow and get better and get bigger. So it's having a growth mindset. This is, this is the other way of thinking about that being really slow. That's beautiful. You're, you're always going to be limited by the, the market, right? But yeah. So but that's the thing. That you're only limited by the market today. <laughs> and one thing you say in the Army all the time, no means no today. Because they ask you, you want to re-enlist? No, no means no today. The market is saying, we don't really need that today. But then 20 years ago, genomics was not a big thing. Yeah. But it is today. So it, you're, you're not limited per se by the market, but just how it's viewing things. Because you could be on the back, you could be back here doing all your things in genomics five years from now, what you are doing to be at the very forefront. No right. one ever thought about it. No one cared about it. It wasn't on anybody's mind. And you're back here just chopping away, chopping away. And in that five years, all of a sudden, you're the new guy, but you've been working on it for 20 years. Yeah. So even though the market or the, the perception is no one's really into this, no one's doing this, it's not, it's not going to work. It may very well work. You just have to wait for your time to get there. Right. And that's where that fluidity comes in at. You have to be like, okay, I'm gonna continue doing this. I may have to do something else on the side while I'm doing this, but I'm gonna this is this is my passion. I know that this is going to do something. This is going to help. And keep doing it. You might have to have something else over here, but keep going because in five years, 
in 10 years, what you're doing today will be probably what runs some of the science fields and be right in the forefront in, in, in 10 years. Yeah. Um, so, and that's and, and that's the problem with some, you know, some businesses are just like, well, no one's, no one's really into this. And they walk away and you hear it a lot. Oh my God, I was thinking about that five years ago and I started it, but no one liked it, no one wanted to do it, so I just walked away. And now all of a sudden, it's a big business, and that poor unfortunate soul is behind yeah. the car curve. And you're just like, man, that's messed up. Think about people who, think about Apple. Yeah. No one was investing in Apple. Nope. No one cared about Apple. Everything was Microsoft, Microsoft, Microsoft. They started off together. And one day, you know, there were people who were like, you know, I'm going to invest in it. I'm going to invest in it. And within a five-year track, Apple was the biggest thing. Well, the one person who, just to, to be, be clear, the one person who invested in, in Apple that made Apple Apple was Bill Gates, mm -hmm. right? It, because basically, and the reason he did that, and then this is just thinking about scaling and resilience, is that Steve Jobs at the time wasn't part of Apple, but Bill Gates were being sued for antitrust. Right, remember with, with Internet Explorer. So he, you know, it, it's a smart play in terms of him scaling. I mean, he said, you know, here's 150 million dollars. The only way I'm going to invest in Apple to save you, to save me, is to bring Steve Jobs back and enable that company to go on a, 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 an incredible trajectory as a company to scale. Right. He was a great thing to know Bill Gates, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bill Gates would do it out of just you know being kind. He was being sued in the yeah. organization, so. But by the government, our government was doing them. So we're getting a little bit off track, but I just wanted to share that also more context. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's just, that's a, you, you hear it a lot. A lot of people are like, oh, I was thinking about that. I had a project for that. And, and nobody wanted it. Nobody yeah. was thinking about it. So they gave up on it. And now it's like the big, you know, there are things that they're like, now it's huge. It's very big um, land development. 20 years ago, some of those big pieces of land had been sitting there for 20 years already. And people weren't buying, oh, it's dead land, nobody wants it. And then the real estate market boomed. Right? It fell again, but it boomed. And when it yeah. boomed, those that had held, bought that property or held on to it, even though no one wanted it, it wasn't going anywhere, it was just there, they did well. Yeah. And it's no okay. means no today. It doesn't necessarily mean no tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Are you guys familiar with Rancho Salarita? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's exactly what you're talking about. Rancho Salarita is in the middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. Somebody came, bought the land, developed it, and it's, it's sold as a very, something that, that didn't exist in, mm -hmm. in Tucson. So, yeah. you, I mean. And some, somebody bought that land yeah. 20, 30 years ago, and it, they just sat on it and sat on it and sat on it. You know? I don't even think you have to go that far back, too. But you think about downtown Tucson. I, I was here in 2009 for a year. And downtown Tucson today is not what it was nine years ago. Right? A completely, totally different place. So there were investors who invested and held on, probably for some time to enable it to be that. But I think the, the key word about scaling, too, is being resilient. Right? You can't scale without resilience because it's not a personal attribute. I mean, we could work on all of the different practices that would enable us to scale, but you got to be resilient in order for you to scale up. Right? Any other thoughts?
I know you, you have to go. Um, Ed, do you have any um, any words that you want to you want to add in? Um, it's a, it's about um, eleven twenty two, so we're coming close to where we may just do a more social gathering. Sure. Um, I I guess I can't underscore enough the importance of product and yeah, just crafting, designing, engineering, like you said, validating, right? Just having like a laser-like focus on that because that's what you need to be able to execute your business, right? It has to be done at a level that is also creditable, right? I was just recently talking to a, a friend and colleague of mine in Austin about one of the startups that I'm helping and whether they should go to a conference to sell. And he basically said, only if they look like they're ready. If they are ready, if they don't look ready, like if they have the right, you know, collateral materials or the right, you know, you know, uh, supporting graphics or anything like this, it's a little bit of, uh, you know, a, a non-starter. You know, you don't get the value or the benefit from it. So, yeah, um, I think that's the main thing that I would say is you know, focus on uh, have a laser-like focus on product because that's what you need to take to your customers. And make it so that it, it meets their needs. It's it's designed to deliver that value, and uh, and then execute it at the highest level that you can to do that. And with that uh, sort of uh, path or approach, hopefully you'll have a good shot at it. Hopefully you're going to start getting some of those customers. Yeah. Well, well, excellent. So it's about eleven twenty-four, and so um, in in terms of. You know, I'd like to say thank you everyone for coming and hanging out because basically, you know, we try to meet here once a month and I'm just going to give some more propaganda about, you know, knowledge share in terms of, of what we do. I mean, our focus is really to help people achieve awesomeness. And, and we do that, you know, as we've talked about discovery, people of product delivery and their journey. So we, we do everything from gathering stories about the leaders, teams, um, walking through, we advise. Um, we do value delivery in terms of using different lean and agile and different practices for the software uh, elements. And then we help you to sustain, right? Because that's the point, because that's how you get to resilience, right? Of, of, of being able to do that. Um, I want to remind everyone that we have a conference coming up in March. Um, I, I think it's the first of its kind. I mean, and it's funny, I just got a feedback from someone that's saying that, yeah, we're the first city to have Agile Week, right? And, and so to me, that's very exciting, you know, to have a whole week that's dedicated to a way of thinking because agility is not just practices. It's also a mindset of how do we get into that mindset of responding to change, right? Because a lot of the things that we're talking about is responding to change, right? How do I scale? Well, I need to respond to some change to enable myself to scale, right? How do I make my, my company um, sustain itself? So um, those type of, of thoughts. Any other questions, any other feedback that we want to add to the conversation um, before we close? No? Um, so last thing is, you know, feel free to, to reach out to, to me um, or, or, you know, you can hit me up on, by going to nalshare.org. Um, you can hit us up on Twitter at nalshare. Um, you could send me an email at Dr. Dave at Nalshare, but also, you know, get out there and go to agileopenarizona.com 
and, and register for this event. Um, I think we're going to have people coming from all over the globe uh, to hang out at this conference at uh, the Tucson Convention Center. So, um, you know, I think it would be good if, if people could get out there. And I just wanted to, we'll continue to share this. And next month, we're talking about Agile in school. You know, it's one of our passions. And so, um, you know, it's really working on, on the next generation and teaching them agility as a practice. Uh, one, one thing I, I want to, to remind everyone is that we record these sessions. And then so I run a podcast called Now Share with Dr. Dave. And you can find that on Google Play and iTunes and Spotify. Um, so even this session, uh, you know, your conversation today will be broadcasted back out to the world. So, you know, we, we try to make you famous. How's that? <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So with that, Ed, any, any last uh, parting words before we uh, take off? Sorry, had you muted. Uh, uh, no, just thank you for uh, inviting me. And uh, I... Uh, you know, welcome more opportunities to meet and engage with more of you. Uh, it's been fun. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Ed. Thank you. We would like to thank our sponsor, Nalshare, for the continued support for this podcast. Visit nalshare.org to achieve your awesomeness through agile coaching and training, digital transformation strategy, agile organization development, lean business startup, and diversity and inclusion training. Thank you, Agile Alliance, for the Meta Pro account sponsorship. Learn more about Agile Alliance at www.agilealliance.org. We support lean thinking and agile life skills education through the Five Saturdays program. Visit www.fivesaturdays.org to donate your time, money, and knowledge. Check out Dr. Dave's latest book, Elastic Minds, What Are You Thinking?, on Amazon.com. You will also find his book, Transforming Your Leadership Character, The Lean Thinking and Agility Way, on Amazon.com. Look for the Null Share with Dr. Day podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. The Null Share with Dr. Day podcast is streamed on GrokShare.com. If you have questions for Dr. Dave, reach out on Twitter at Dr. Cornelius Info or at Nalshare. This podcast is produced by Dr. Dave Cornelius. Copyright 2018. Nalshare. Share.